here we are, uh, Lewis Panther, introducing Beth Ann Bovino, US Chief Economist for S&P Global over here in Australia, um, to give Fincia members an outlook on the US and uh, world economy over the next few years. Welcome. Great to be here. There's a lot of risks out there. We, we expect to see a bit of a slowdown globally in terms of economic activity. We've got higher interest rates. We have a strong dollar that could weigh on the global, uh, global scenario. And actually, oil prices are all picked up a bit, too. So that's going to hit oil importing countries. Within that backdrop, I won't even go into the trade story, the trade dispute right now. Um, that also weighs on global growth. But within that backdrop, the U.S. is looking pretty good. We have uh, fundamentals rather strong, and momentum is building in the U.S., at least over the near term. We're looking at job gains are coming in around 200,000 job gains a month on average. That's been, a, that's been the case for last year and even the following year um, about that put it in perspective, that is well above the trend job growth rate monthly, which is about 125 to 150,000. We're expecting to see wages picking up, uh, not as high as we'd like, but still wages picking up and businesses, we think will start to invest a little bit more. Part of that reason is because of the help from Uncle Sam in terms of the tax package as well as the bipartisan uh, budget agreement. We're looking at growth this year, uh, about 3%. That's probably uh, an expansion high, I think. Uh, uh, for this year, we think it slows down to about 2.5 for the next year. Of course, uh, as we get into 2020, there is some worries because at that point in time, the Fed, we expect to raise rates two more times this year, three more times the next year. And next year, we're going to see some of that fiscal stimulus start to filter out of the out of the economy. So we're not getting that boost. And of course, the other worry is that the Fed is going to continue to raise rates. And of course, the concern there is, will the Fed have to fight even more inflation down the road? So those are the concerns we'd have for 2020. But for this year and the next, it's looking pretty good. I've noticed that in, in the presentation, you mentioned that growth is still not back to pre-GFC, or but it's getting there. Um, how how are we sort of a decade on? The United States is not is not back from uh, the the pre the financial crises uh, pre pre GFC or FG whatever it's called. Um, we had a growth rate around four percent. We're half that. In fact, I've made a joke, which was it's the half fast economy. And say it three times, and you'll know why it was supposed to be funny. So, and that's not just the U.S. It's across many parts of of the world. Part of that reason is because of the long legs of the financial crisis weighing on weighing on on the economy. Still, um, but the biggest factor is the aging population, and that's uh, for many countries a global situation. In the United States, for example, the labor participation rate is at a 40-year low. That's when a lot of women were not in the workforce. That a big chunk is because retirees are retiring, and we expect that to continue for some time, weighing on potential growth rate. The other worry we have there, of course, is that it's not just retirees. We think that the of that 40-year drop in the labor participation rate, maybe about three-fourths is, is because of retirees retiring, but about one-quarter or about two million is largely driven by people of prime age leaving the workforce, and that's a worry. Which brings us into something you've, you've spoken about, getting more women into the workforce and, and you, you know, as a, as a longer-term goal to, to provide a stimulus for the economy long-term. Tell us a bit more of your thoughts on that. 
As a U.S. economist, one of the things that we have been watching is why are we seeing such gl slow growth potential? Potential growth rate now we expect to be going out t uh, 10 years is about 1.8 percentage points. That's 1 percent lower than where it was 10 or 15 years ago. The worry, of course, is that it could be even be lower because of those people of prime age leaving the market. What we looked at is what could what could stimulate the economy? Where's that pro the productivity boost that we could get? And we looked at women. Women in the workforce, women of uh, say of prime age between 25 and 54, Back in the 1990, U.S. women of that age were near the top in terms of participation rate in the, into the workforce. We were probably six or seven uh, amongst the OECD partners. Now we're near the bottom. And what's the reason behind that? Uh, what we looked at was indeed the question of costs of having and raising children. And now, of course, with that, those retirees going into retirement mode, elderly parents as well. And so what we thought was, what if women in the United States stayed at the pace of uh, entering the workforce, something similar to what we've seen in other advanced countries like Norway or some other, other, other countries. If they stayed at that pace that we had in the past, the U.S. economy would be $1.6 trillion bigger today than it is right now. Seems like a good reason to figure out a way to keep women, if they choose to, in the workforce. Especially with marrying that with the retiring workforce, the drivers on investment in education, etc., etc. Briefly, you know, could you go into those kind of benefits that you did discuss before? The lower potential growth rate the United States is facing um, that we see going out 10 years, it's pure just demographics. A significant part of mm -hmm. that is because we have the baby boomers retiring mm -hmm. and, and it's, they're going to continue. And that just weighs, we lose their productivity, they lose, their, lose some of their income, uh, so they spend less, the economy loses their productivity, and so the economy slows. How can we supplant that? How can we support that? We looked at what's happened, and one of the reasons why we focused on women is we saw that, pr that, that productivity boost from having more women in the workforce could help supplant the lost, the lost productivity from those retirees. Now, I'd also say that we have another issue in the, in the United States of lost productivity. I mentioned that one-fourth of that drop of labor participation rate to a 40-year low is tied to prime age workers. Those actually, we found about two million people that are out of the workforce. It's not just women, but we focused on that. Men of prime age are also leaving, have also left the workforce. How do we bring them back? That goes into another uh, another story, which is focused on education. We think that there is a worry of a de-skilling in the, in the workforce. Yes, we have strong job games, and that's really good to know. However, we're also seeing wages slowing down um, or, or picking up at a very slow rate at you know under 3%. It would more likely be at this stage in the expansion or closer to three and a half and it's under three. We think what's happening there is two things. One, there could be a compositional factor going on, meaning that those older workers are retiring and getting replaced by younger workers who generally make less because they haven't been working that long. But the other factor that we worry about is what's happening with the de-skilling of the workforce. We have job openings at a record high. It's been that way for some time. Why aren't businesses being able to find the workers they need? Question, of course, and one of the struggles is we think there, there is a de-skilling of the, of, of the workforce so that this, there's a skills mismatch. That's a worry. And how we see one solution that we had looked into, couple ones. One, of course, would be investing in education for the U.S. is one positive way to, to address that, whether having businesses help in terms of reskilling those workers who actually have the industry knowledge, but maybe not the technological skills. Another option uh, that the U.S. has kind of moved away from is actually 
immigration, bringing employment-based immigration up a little bit, but I don't think that's something that's going to happen anytime soon. No, I suppose that would be a political decision, which you know brings me on to the other thing I was going to mention, and, and I mentioned to, uh, earlier on, the, you know, the politics here. Uh, the ASX lost 50 billion in the last week because of the turmoil here. But obviously, and, and you mentioned you know, issues between China and the U.S. Mr. Trump spoke out this morning as well about what he thought could happen. You make very specific predictions, but politics can get in the way. Can you give us a bit more on that? What, what are your thoughts are there? In the presentation, I call it the gold, Goldilocks moment for the United States. However, there's a, there's a few bears in the, in the woods, and we have to keep an eye on them. Uh, one of them is the trade war. Whether you want to call it trade war or trade skirmish, uh, that's semantics. Uh, what it is doing is you're having a, a policy response that slows down growth worldwide, and then you have a retaliation from other countries. Uh, that's a worry for growth for everybody. We think the impact on the U.S. is rather small, but again, this is a policy decision, and it does slow growth. It particularly hits farmers in the U.S. So as even if we can say that it's a slow, uh, a small impact in terms of the direct effects on growth in the U.S., it's going to hurt some people. Of course, in Australia, there's a worry because China is your major trading partner. What, what will happen to China in terms of this uh, trade war? That's a worry. But the other worries that I would say um, in terms of the U.S., I would say I don't see a, a risk of recession. It's very low. Uh, we have a risk of recession between 10 and 15 percentage points, which is definitely on the low end, probably closer to 15 because of these political uh, political worries. Our worry over the long end is what happens later on in the, in the economy, later on in a few years when that fiscal stimulus starts to filter out and the Fed is raising rates. Um, those could be some policy mistakes the Fed could make. Beth-Ann Bovino, thank you very much. Thank you.